Boy, howdy, that was good. I speak to you in the name of the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So in the movie Mary Poppins, Julie Andrews plays a no-nonsense yet delightful nanny to two young children, their twins, Jane and Michael Banks. Raise your hand if you've seen Mary Poppins. Oh yeah, most of you have. They were a wealthy family, and when their nanny left, her replacement, which is Mary Poppins, arrives flying in one evening, born on the east wind on her coming in hot using her umbrella. As a nanny to a wealthy family, she is part teacher, part parent, and part disciplinarian. I love how vain and irritable she can be because beneath her stern exterior lurked all kinds of delightful wonder. She believed in good behavior. Her disobedience was definitely punished, and yet the children adore her. The children find safety because of the caring discipline she brings to their lives. Perhaps more importantly, her, order care, her ordered world still allowed for exploration and excitement. She gets the children up in the morning and she puts them to bed at night. She supervises their many adventures and guides them in many, many ways. While they are in her care and while they're in her care, she is responsible for their overall safety and their well-being. Her role with the children was a temporary one. Once her job was done, she flew away on the other east wind. Discipline and following rules, important? Yeah. But can we ever do enough or ever follow enough rules to make God love us? Do following those rules save us? This morning, we hear from a feisty Paul in his letter to the Galatians. A group of Jewish Christians and leaders insisted that believers must obey the Jewish law and the traditional rules, specifically circumcision. They believed a person was saved by following the law of Moses in addition to the faith in Christ. Paul was frustrated, and at the beginning of chapter 3, we hear his frustration and why his summary in the verses that we get this morning makes sense. He says that to them in verse 1-1, now y'all know this is my interpretation. He says, y'all are foolish Galatians. Are you kidding me? You saw Jesus crucified, and let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing in Jesus? They did not have Mary Poppins in the ancient world, but wealthy and Greek Roman families would assign care of their boys to a specific kind of slave called a pedagogos. I'm not really good at Greek, but I think that's how you say it. He was usually an older male slave charged with the responsibility of caring for a young boy through childhood into adulthood. At times, he might need to be a harsh 
disciplinarian, at other times more of a teacher, and at other times more of a supervisor. It was an important role, but also a temporary one that ended once his age, he reached adulthood. So today, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, the six verses we hear really get to the crux of Christianity. Why did God give the law anyway? And can the law save us? Just like we struggle today with trying to do what's right and follow the law, Paul writes to the Galatians from a a place of deep passion and frustration. They really don't get it. The Jewish Christians questioned Paul's apostolic authority and the gospel that he preached. Who's in and who's out? Some believed if if you followed the law, you're in. They were confused and certainly they were not unified. Their ministry was suffering and Paul wanted them to be yoked together in Christ, had to answer the question, who can be included in God's covenant family? So Paul calls the law a disciplinarian or pedagogos, which can also be interpreted a schoolmaster or guardian. But like the pedagogos of a wealthy family, the law was really more than any of those things. It provided discipline, teaching, supervision, and overall caretaking, but only for a time. For Paul, the law acted as a strict school teacher that kept Israel in line until the coming promise of the offspring of Abraham which is Jesus, the Messiah. Even though the law had a purpose and Paul was a follower of the law, y'all might remember as he was a Jew and he studied the law and he practiced the law long and hard until he met Jesus. So now, since his conversion, he has a new interpretive filter. He now views the law and lives in the world with a new lens, focused on the love of the crucified Christ. Paul wanted Galatians to know the reason they belonged to God's covenant family was not because they obeyed the laws of the Torah. It was only because of what Jesus did for them. And so it is with us. We can't be saved by following the law or making good choices or having good intentions or even being a good person. It makes me think of my old Baptist days when I was taught many times the road to hell is paved with good intentions. The law is what tells us we need salvation because we fail at being human. The law is what tells us we need Jesus. Like a child who had outgrown his pedagogos, the people had been set free from the law through their faith in Christ. Faith in Christ meant trusting that Jesus was enough. Trusting in Jesus is enough. Now, this was not a license to do whatever they pleased and whenever they pleased. It was not lawlessness, 
Those who had been set free from the law through faith in Christ would now live according to their new identity in Christ. Once they had been under the law, but now they were baptized into Christ, clothed with Christ. They belonged to Christ and they were meant to live that way. From then on, the law would no longer separate Jew and Gentile, slave or free, male or female. From then on, they were all joined together in Christ. They were all joined together in Christ. Since our context is a little bit different, we might say there are no longer Southerner or Yankee city slicker or country dweller, black or white, young or old, rich or poor, skinny or fat, tall or short, Republican or Democrat. Not that any of these very real differences in us and will ever disappear, but they make absolutely no difference to our identity and our unity in Christ. For those who have faith in Christ, we have been baptized into Christ. Then you are a part of God's family. You belong to Christ. I wonder if we truly believe that our identity is in Christ and we are one in Christ Jesus, are we living out our lives with that beautiful vision of unity in Christ Jesus? Do we look at our differences more than what unifies us? If we are to become more unified, to live as a more unified people, we need to look beyond ourselves and beyond our differences to focus on our common thread, which is Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. We have been baptized into the same Christ Jesus. We belong to him. And so we belong to one another. Whether we were baptized by immersion or sprinkled with water or had water poured over a top of our head, we have been baptized into the same Christ Jesus, sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. April Yamansky, an author and pastor, reminds us of an old proverb that says, and I'm thinking maybe you've heard it before, blood is thicker than water meaning that the ties between family members are stronger than the ties between people who are not related to one another. Have you heard it? Maybe you've said it to somebody. But here in Galatians, the Apostle Paul argues just the opposite. He says that through faith in Jesus, the water of baptism forms a closer bond than anything else. By God's grace, the water of baptism is thicker than blood, for we are joined to one another with a spiritual bond that is stronger even than the ties of family or biology. Paul tells us in verse 27, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. 
and Roman society, a youth coming of age, would lay aside his robe that he wore in childhood and actually put on a new toga. This represents his move into what we would say today, adulting. It would give them the citizenship with full rights and responsibilities. Paul combined this cultural understanding with the concept of baptism. By becoming Christians and being baptized, he, they laid aside the old clothes of the law and were putting on Christ new clothes of righteousness. Now, during the week, while I'm at the office and on Sunday mornings here in church, I have a bit of a uniform. You've all seen it. I have to say that I'm finally getting used to having the collar around my neck, but it did take a while. I am stared at quite a bit. Sometimes I feel like I'm walking around in a fishbowl, and I think it has to do a lot with the fact that I'm a woman clergy person. I've been asked many things like, is that real? I've been asked, are you a nun? And I've been like followed around in stores. But at my ordination to the transitional diaconate were the very first time I put a collar around my neck. I wasn't sure if I was to wear the collar into the service or put it on during the service or just put it on after the service. And um, uh, Dean Kate Moorhead was there to kind of um, to lead us and shepherd us, me and the other two who are being ordained. And I had a few questions about logistics that day. And I asked Dean uh, Kate about wearing the collar. She said, girl, put it on. So I put it on, and then with her sweet words of wisdom, she said to me, I'll never forget it. She said, Sarah, you're always wearing the collar, even when you're not wearing it. Ah, that sunk. I thought, I'll never be able to pick my nose in the car anymore, and (laughs) I guess I'll have to start doing the sign of the cross when people tick me off. Just kidding, I don't flick people off. All that to say, on Sunday, when I'm in the office and see me dressed in clergy attire, but during the week when I'm not here and and doing my own thing, home cleaning or pulling weeds or running errands, I'm dressed differently, probably t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops. But what we wear can change our behavior, and it also changes the way that people respond to us. And yet... All of us Christians who have been baptized into Christ, we have clothed ourselves with Christ, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Our new Jesus clothes are made from unconditional love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. If you are in Christ, you have been clothed with those same things. Jesus' never-failing love, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. So I wonder, I wonder, can people see your Jesus clothes on you? If you aren't sure, let the words of the Nicene Creed fall on you this morning like a soft robe, reminding you of who you are and who you serve, reminding you that your faith is in Jesus, 
the only thing that matters. Amen.